truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Eight eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number here to the blaze. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, what do you do when the law looks at the law and looks at common sense and still says, "Eh, I don't care." And then coming up in hour two, I'm going to teach a little political science class. I know a lot of people are trying to make sense of what happened. On Friday afternoon. Was it a cuckening? Was it four-dimensional chess? How do you get emasculated by the space cadet speaker? What in the world was any of this for? Was there ever a plan? Are we just going to do the time warp again in three weeks? There's a lot of people trying to make sense of it. And I understand why. Because when things on the surface don't make any sense... We as human beings just feel the need to try to make sense out of them nonetheless. I'm going to do the math for you next hour. And I'm going to teach a political science class I have taught to clients and listeners in the past, but it hasn't really come up on this show in several years. And it's sort of your legend. If the American political system were a map, you know, every map needs a legend, right, Todd? You know, what the symbols mean and, you know, what what, what the direction, uh, the, the map, you know. So you know how to read it. North, south, east, west? Yes. I'm going to provide you that said legend, maybe even a Rosetta Stone, coming up an hour or two. And you do not want to miss this. Not that you want to miss what we're going to do up until then, but you definitely don't want to miss that part, all right? So we'll get you updated on what happened over the weekend here in a minute. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our good friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you are in the market to buy or sell a home this year, you want to check out Real Estate Agents I Trust, all one word, realestateagentsitrust.com. This was a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends and partners a few years ago because of the difficulty in obtaining a real estate agent that you can trust. Now, what separates real estate agents I trust from other referral companies is is a lot of these are referral companies where the industry is trying to help find work for the agent. Uh, in this case, realestateagentsitrust.com has already done that vetting process. So it's about finding the right agent for you, the customer, whether it's uh, you're going to be a buyer, seller, or Maybe both. I've done both and I had a good agent. It was one of the most stressful times in our life. I can't imagine doing it. If we did not have a good agent, don't let that happen to you. Use realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, here's what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away is a poem by Steve, narrated by me. There is no 4D chess. Just terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people, terribly. If you ever wanted to know why this has become our new show mantra, I present to you the Roger Stone indictment. Stone is the fiendish, hedonist, wannabe political trickster who's been Trump's most long-tenured and closest political ally for decades. He's closer to Al Sharpton than focus on the family. Literally, Trump was a Sharpton donor. 
pretty much any moral value you've ever put into the GOP platform, Stone or his ex-wife has opposed. The irony is that Stone was an asset of the country club types within the party back in the day. He's to the left of the Bushes. Now, my friends, behold his indictment at your own peril. A chronicle of the Peter Principle. You rise to the level of your own incompetence. This is the gang who couldn't shoot straight. This makes the Apple Dumpling Gang look like Genghis Khan. Men, if your wife is ovulating and you're trying to start a family, don't read until after conception is confirmed. Your voice will return to prepubescent octaves immediately after finishing. This is a living memorial to both a desperation to be relevant and having excrement for brains. Never before in human history has anyone lied so much in order to accomplish so little and then left an overwhelming paper trail any Reddit legend could have uncovered, let alone the FBI, along the way to preserve its legacy for all time. Basically, Stone, the wannabe fiend, was getting played the whole time by Julian Assange, the real-deal fiend who likes to publicly leak U.S. troop deployments that get our soldiers killed, but was still labeled our new conservative hero by some prominent folks in conservative media during the 2016 election. It appears from reading the indictment, Stone lied repeatedly about things the feds knew all along, or could easily confirm once they wanted to know them. Especially when Stone was aligning himself with liberal New York radio host, Person 2, in the indictment, who happily sung like a prison buttercup the first time the feds showed him the soap on the rope. In fact, in a moment that will make your brain bleed from all the stupid, Stone threatens in writing to come after said liberal's dog for telling the feds the truth. There is no Russian collusion, just another portrait of Trump once more not surrounding himself with the best people. Stone's desperate and repeated attempts to get Jerome Corsi, person one, to tell his boss's big news on the Clinton Foundation is coming from Assange, which never came, as well as folks he knew in the Trump world, which he told them would be the October surprise, are itemized so pathetically, like tween girls trying to find out why Harry Styles really left One Direction. The ironic bottom line, Stone's criminal vulnerability comes from his lack of self-awareness. Turns out he's not the sinister mastermind he believed he was all these years. This time, he was the mark. This shallow gene pool of New York GOP politics is nothing compared to the world the Assanges and Robert Mullers call home. Stone was out of his league, and now he's out on bail. Before I say anything, since those were already my initial thoughts after reviewing the indictment over the weekend, which I posted on Facebook, thank you, Aaron, for putting them in the montage today. I want to find out what you guys think before I give my thoughts on my own thoughts. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think about what I think. All right, so Todd, your thoughts. Remember last year's show motto, the one who is dumbest last loses? Yes. I, I clearly was too hopeful in that endorsement. I... Um, because that doesn't even begin to encapsulate what we're watching here. And, but before I even created that though, I think I was right about this whole thing, uh, going back to the Russian collusion thing. I, I remember vividly the show. I said it, that this Mueller, the, forget Mueller and you know, tactics and when he released what and things like that. We can, but at the end of the day, I, I, I said, I think Mueller's going to come into this thing. 
and having dealt with some wicked, heavy-handed people in the past. Like the Gambinos, Islamic uh, jihadists. Yeah. I think he's just, and it's going to take him a while to believe what he's seeing. So he's going to be sober. But at the end of the day, he's going to be like, um, guys, this is just like some weird, drunken frat party just full of a bunch of guys like uh, Will Ferrell and from old school. Uh, it's bizarre. I can't believe this is happening. Um, we're going streaking. That would be dignified compared to the level of dumb I'm running into. Um, I'm certain I said that out loud, and it just keeps coming true, and this is defining a presidential legacy. So, um, but but Hillary. Aaron? Um, my initial thoughts are uh, college football is eight months away. That's the first thing that I thought of. Um, secondly, though, we talk about um, we talk about uh, self actualization. Uh, this entire cabal um, is a portrait of the left's version of self actualization. You notice that a lot of the people who have pled pled guilty, and I saw I was watching NBC for some reason yesterday. Oh, I was I was at I was I was watching NBC yesterday morning, and I'm like, why was I doing that? I was at breakfast. That's why I was watching it. And they put the graphic up of all the people who have pled guilty as a result of Mueller's investigation into supposed Russian collusion. And I was thinking, each one of those pers- people have one thing in common. They had a very very grandiose self view. Mm. And they acted upon realizing that grandiose self-view, and now they're pleading guilty (laughs) because at the end of the day, they aren't that guy. You are not the man. They are never – none of them are the man. You know the the, – I think it's Fitz in the Tantrums. Uh, I'm the man uh, with the plan. I don't think it's Fitz in the Tantrums, but you know uh, know that song. No, none of these guys are, and that's the most scary part because these guys actually tried to act – upon their yeah. grandiose self-view. Most of the men in this culture don't have the opportunity or don't have the stones to. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just watching what uh, what most of the what what most of the state of manhood in this culture is when acted upon. You know, um I remember reading the Left Behind books. <laughs> There's a segue. I remember reading the Left Behind books. And when I first started reading them, I was a pagan. And before the the series got completed, uh, I you know I got converted in the process of that. And I remember when I first started reading the Left Behind books, when I read the very first one. Now, for Todd living in Catholic world, this is part of evangelical subculture. You probably aren't very familiar with. I'm guessing. I read the first one and I said, okay. "Oh, that's enough of that." Okay, all right. So I read the first one as a pagan, and the, I thought it was very well articulated. The way, if there was such an event as this rapture and people disappeared, and the way the media would behave, and how such a a, a person as the Antichrist would come to power, and and I found it extremely believable, just given you know my background in politics before I um, had a faith conversion. What I found is I kept reading the series is I, I started, and, you know, let's say uh, Tim LaHaye, the late uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, I think they have sold approximately 37 more, million more books than me. So, I mean, take the criticism I'm about to 
convey. Not with a not with a pound or a pinch, like a kilowatt of salt. All right, because they clearly knew what they were doing, and I don't. All right, all the salt. You've never seen so yeah, much salt. Yeah, Steve. take it. You use all the salt as you as you think of. Uh, keep into account as you consider what I'm about to say. But I remember getting into like book three, four, and five, and I'm like, Carpathia is an idiot. Like, who would follow this guy? And then his false prophet Fortunato, they, he was written so one dimensionally. Like when you when we were kids, you knew, before we found out that uh, you know before Return of the Jedi, when Vader's redeemed at the end, you know we actually wanted to wear Darth Vader's mask and costume for trick or treat, right? Mm-hmm. He was the bad guy, but we're like this dude's pretty dope, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine at any point, like. Christian homeschooled kids, you know, like mine, would ever come to me and say, Dad, I want to wear a Leon Fortunato mask as we hand out testaments this, this beggar's night. No one's doing that. These villains were so, they were so bad at being villains. You're just like, Look who would follow these people? Yeah, who would follow <laughs> these people? And I really struggled with it as we went further into the books, you know? And and I would find myself just skipping whole sections when 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 the antichrist was being portrayed because i just like i i i can't envision because you've heard me say for years todd all people are sinful but not all people are stupid right Mm -hmm. somebody this dumb couldn't get this much power tim lahay and jerry jenkins sold 37 million books for a reason brah because yes they could this uh i use the apple dumpling gang in that uh the 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 town sheriff needed a suspect needed to arrest somebody to make it look like they were doing something about you know all the robberies that are taking place that people are freaked out by and not so terribly and awfully wants to be considered somebody oh yeah yeah i robbed it yeah yeah he's admitting to stuff and lying about it that he could have never done and probably never did that's this indictment you know our i love brad thor the conservative author and he is yeah, another guy that sold millions of books. So again, take what I'm about to say with another kilowatt of salt. He clearly knows something about crafting a story I don't. But I saw a tweet that Brad put out over the weekend labeling all point yeah, that, that was sort of a graphic of all the people in Trump world that have been arrested, pled guilty, and and he said, you know, the only time I've ever seen any kind of a network of associations like this is around mafia bosses. And I'm I'm trying to be Again, it's the year of no BS, right? So I'm trying to be more diligent in when I publicly disagree with other conservatives I respect just because I kind of feel like we have, you know, kneecapped each other the last few years so much that I'm at the point now where I think it's got to be like something I egregiously disagree with before I will interject direct, direct, directly. I think we've, there's, there's been enough family squabbles. And it could very well be that I've just, I'm going soft. I don't know, but I'm kind of losing my zeal, you know, to continue arguing at the family reunion all the time, you know? So I didn't, I didn't respond back to him in person, but I got to thinking about his graphic. Here's the thing. I, I would agree that we've never seen in American politics before someone whose intimate associations have a web of indictments and guilty pleas. I, I've never, I don't, I don't know that we've seen anything like it. Cert, you know, we didn't have Facebook and Twitter memes and Reddit memes during teapot dome. 
So maybe this is what life was like in the Warren Hart, you know, after he got done tapping, you know, his mistresses in the West Wing, maybe, you know, when they, when he was surrounded by a bunch of crooks, maybe it was like that in 1924. I don't know, you know, but in my time, my era, the modern era, the contemporary era, we've never seen anything like this, but when we throw up a web of associations of mob bosses, like Brad was talking about, those guys are murderers, embezzlers, drug dealers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Th- those guys are serious about this and have demonstrated their level of seriousness by following through. You know a tree by its fruit, right? Well, there's some pretty rotten fruit on those kinds of trees. You were talking about, at some, you've, you've always believed at some point Mueller would get to the end of this and say, what the hell is, I, 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 used, to, I used to put real criminals behind yeah. bars. And now, and, and now I'm, 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 I'm dealing with 70-year-old wannabes who wear more eyeliner um, than, uh, you know, than someone in the middle of gender reassignment. What am I doing? That's, right? Yeah. That's how I felt reading this. This isn't even Al Capone, Al Capone going up the river for tax evasion, for like how he funneled the money that he made from Murder Incorporated and from dealing drugs. These are, these are morons, complete, unadulterated morons. They are the apple dumpling gang. They couldn't do this if they wanted to, but they so badly wanted to. They got. They accomplished nothing. There is nothing about Russian collusion in, in all 24 pages of this indictment. There is nothing about Russian collusion in any of the guilty pleas that Michael Cohen entered into. So if we were talking about a serious mob boss here and his attorney went up the river, his, his, his capo, his, his conciliary, I guess is what we'll call in this, in this morality play, that's how we'll describe uh, Roger Stone. If his, cop, if his conciliary went up the river, would they be going up the river for threatening somebody's dog and then lying about it to the feds? Is that what they'd go up the river for? Mm, no. 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 There'd be body counts, guys. I mean, there'd be, there'd be piles of unmarked bills that are now missing, right? I mean, this, this would be stuff that you could tangibly say, yikes. These, this, these are the guys in the math club, guys, and they're not, they're not good at math, okay? They joined the math club because they kept getting beat up in the locker room by guys playing football and basketball. And then so they, they thought they'd be safe with the nerds, but they sucked at math too. I, I, I don't, this is going to be, if, if this culture goes down, it'll be the first time ever of world power went away, imploded, not because of Mongols or Moors or um, Khans or Kaisers or Reichs or um, uh, Samurai or Shoguns for morons. This is, this is, this is, as I read through this, I I kept hearing the voice of Bed and, you, you're so dumb, for real. First of all, why are you aligning yourself with a lifelong Democrat? And then why are you shocked at the first sign of resistance from the resistance? Said Democrat, starts singing like a bird. Oh, I know, because that's really, you've been closer to people like him politically than to people like us your whole career. 
you're more at home with somebody like this. What's his name? Randy Credico or Credico yeah. or something. Ne- never heard of this guy, man. I did a week of auditioning for Drive Time in New York City a few years ago. Salem brought me out there for a week to audition to be the new afternoon drive time guy in New York. We went over the whole landscape of what the radio market in New York was going to be. And if I got the job, who I was going to have to take on, never heard this guy's name one time, one time. And yet he is now the triumvirate with Jerome Corsi and, and Roger Stone. Hey, when you get those emails from the guy from the Nigerian embassy, you think what? Give them the last four digits of my social. Is that what you're thinking usually? Not anymore. No? How about when a guy emails you from the Ecuadorian embassy? What do you think you ought to do then? Who in their right mind trusts the guy emailing them from the Ecuadorian embassy? Somebody, please. This town deserves a better class of criminal. They literally trusted the guy from the Ecuadorian embassy. Stone is, is emailing everybody in Trump world that he can find. This is going to be the October surprise. And Assange had already put out publicly everything anyway. Remember, we found that out when they tried to implicate Don Jr. They said Don Jr. was in CNN. That was one of the big scoops they had to retract last year. Remember this? Don Jr. in emails was soliciting information. Why, why is that a big deal? Because it's a crime to use information or solicit foreign involvement in a U.S. election. It's, it's a felony. Okay, So this was the big scoop from one of the big scoops CNN had to retract last year. Don Jr., we've got the paper trail. Asking Julian Assange, what do you have? It was the stuff that Assange had actually released publicly. CNN just forgot to point that out to you. So, the, so Michael Cohen's going to go to prison because he literally thought he could lie about dumb stuff. Remember George Papadopoulos when he went on that Somebody Indict Me PR campaign back in 2017? Vaguely. You ever, you ever listen to that guy talk for five minutes? I'm going to tell you right now, man. I've, I've, worked on, I've worked on several campaigns. That guy walks into any campaign office I'm a part of, off the street with a resume, and we hire that guy, I'm turning my notice in because it's clear we have no chance to win nor any idea of what it will take to win. I mean, I, I don't know what his qualifications are other than none. I mean, these people could not have done this. And the fact that we're sitting here now and we're getting, we're, we're almost to the, you know, I've, I've said from the beginning, I thought that Mueller would treat this like a RICO case where you are flipping over multiple levels of people that are involved in a mass criminal conspiracy. Well, we're, we're, we've done Cohen, the attorney, we've done Stone. There's no layer left now except for someone whose last name is Trump. We've done, we've done Manafort, the advisor, Stone, the longtime ally. Uh, or Monifert, the guy that ran the campaign, Stone, the longtime conciliary, and we did uh, Michael Cohen, the fixer attorney. All right, that if, if this were a solar system, we're at Mercury right now. If this were our solar system, we're at the planet closest to the sun. The only, if you follow, see what I did there? Planet closest to the sun. The only place left to go is to the sun, like the son-in-law or a sun. That's the only place left to go. See, I just did that live on the air. I'm not that bad at this. That didn't make any sense, did it? No, I got you. Okay. I'm just too depressed to answer. <laughs> yeah. So I have, uh, guys, 
here's why there's not going to be any Russian collusion. And I've been very hesitant this whole time. Have I, have I said, man, don't make pronouncements. Don't be in a hurry to be wrong. Here's why I'm confident there will be no Russian collusion. Because there has to be some, some layer of infrastructure between the two people that are most often implicated in the Russian collusion, Don Jr. and Jared Kushner, as being at the high end of this, right? So unless they're on the phone directly with the Kremlin, there has to be somebody between them. Even in a, even in a, in a criminal syndicate, when, 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 when the Don gives the kill order, does he execute the order? Does the Don roll into Giuseppe's Spaghetti Bistro and, 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 and put a cap to the temple no. out there on Southwest 93rd Street? Does he do that? He has people. So, someone, so he can give the order, but there must be somebody between that gives and executes. These would be the people. We've gone through all the people that would give and execute such things. And they've been indicted and pled guilty. And how much Russian collusion is in these guilty pleas and in these indictments? How much? None. None. These are idiots, morons, con men who built themselves up all these years and, and, and a media culture largely filled of the same, put them on to camera all the time, gave them all kinds of publicity when they were Don Knotts and the Apple Dumpling Gang all the time, the whole time. When they get to prison, these guys are all going to be bottom of the food chain types. Schillinger and Adebisi are going to be like divvying them up Every weekend. No masterminds here. Nobody that could have pulled this off. I'm pretty confident looking at this. Because we've gone to everybody that would be the layer between Trump's inner circle, like the family, and whoever on the outside they were colluding with. And there is no, there's no charges. No guilty pleas. Just morons and idiots who just kept lying over and over again to protect their petty corruptions and largely to maintain their brand. You get the sense. They just wanted the brand of being a somebody so badly. This is Steve Martin and the jerk, guys. This is not Michael Corleone. There is no, there will be no family business settled. There's no christening scene. There's just morons. Absolute, total morons, con men, charlatans. They so desperately want to be the villains, MSNBC. Why do these guys, by the way, Roger Stone and all these guys, and of course he was just on MSNBC last week. Why? Make, I'm somebody. Their name's in the phone book. They're Steve Martin and the jerk. Run, jumping down, right, running down the street. Yeah, they know me. I'm at her. Yes. They could have never pulled this off. Ever. Ask yourself, look at Vladimir Putin and ask yourself this question. Do you believe Vladimir Putin has the power he has because he has entrusted his master plans to men like this? Dude took over Crimea, Crimea without a shot fired. Think he pulls it off with Roger Stone? Think he pulls it? Jerome Corsi's the man. He'll get it done. Randy Credico or Calico, whatever the hell this guy's name is. Yeah, that's the guy. No, guys. No. Morons. One and all. Wannabes. Morons. Could not have done this, even if they wanted to. And they probably didn't want to. They were just getting played the entire time. This isn't a conspiracy. 
It's a con. That's what it is. And rather than be exposed as con men, these guys all went out and lied about something they never did because they couldn't have done it. More in a moment. I love it when our audience is on the ball. A couple of things uh, following up uh, the monologue we just had. Brandon in Maryland uh, has a necessary correction. Uh, it was not Papadopoulos, who was the guy that did all the rounds, where he had, where he looked like he didn't blink for 10 minutes and both eyes were looking at you out of the same socket, like he's begging to get indicted so he can be in the news. It was Carter Page. Mm-hmm. That's who it was. All right, so Brandon in Maryland with that correction. And then there is, uh, there's this tweet, and I want to say it's Shelley. It, it's just, it's a, it's a, a unique spelling, C-H-E-L-E, which is kind of a cool spelling if that's what it is. But Shelly Rendell says, all these, this, this Trump web of people, they all have one thing in common. They all think they are Michael, but they are really Fredo. Oh, that is right on the money. Like when you read, when you read the indictment of Roger Stone, you can almost hear Fredo in the background saying, I can do things. I'm smart. I can run things. Right, that classic Fredo rant. I can do things. I'm smart. Right? SMRT. I'm smart. I can do stuff. Good night. You know what? This is a good time. Good time to promote WaxRx. Don't be a moron. If you were listening to my last monologue, don't pretend you can do things you can't do. And then so desire to be known for doing things you can't do that you then lie about those things the entire time after you left a paper trail. Don't, don't do that. Okay, don't. Um, don't be a moron, all right? Don't be a moron. Know, know your lane. Hit your weight. You know what I'm saying? Be more self-aware, right? So... That's why you need to get Wax RX. And get, you go get the Wax RX. That, that gives you, without a prescription, you get a professional cleaning of your ears. I'm dead serious. All right, this time of year, that, you know, who knows? <laughs> I want to make sure, I don't want to, I don't ever in my career, I don't want to read any more indictments like what I just read yesterday. I don't want to read that, anything like that. I don't, I, I don't want, I had internal bleeding. You quit now. I just stopped internal bleeding this morning, all right, because of the amount of stupid in that don't. Please tell me you heard every word of my last monologue. Don't be a moron, all right? And if you missed it, get WaxRx, clean out your ears, and then go back at the podcast and listen to it again, all right? WaxRx, (laughs) these conditions, all right? Where's my support? (laughs) Okay, don't use don't use cotton swabs or any other kinds of solutions that aren't a solution at all. All right, you're, you're dropping moron bombs all over. And you're asking us what our problem is. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm checking out my I'm checking out my ears. But anyhow. Try the Wax RX system risk free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. And while you're there, use offer code radio for free shipping if you use offer code radio at checkout. Use waxrx.com. 
And now after that historically significant segue, we bring you Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader. How are you, my friend? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here, though. I really am. Um, I, I apologize up front. That was kind of a – I probably shouldn't have been here during the live read and you dropping moron bombs and I'm supposed to be straight-faced here. But That's all right. And I didn't hear the monologue. I just came on in. But I'm glad to be here. Thrilled to be here. So there is um, – speaking of people um, who could maybe use taking some of the wax out of their ears, you have a judge here wow. in Iowa – and this is what I was talking about last week, the acceleration process of how we're devolving as a culture is quickening now. And, and why our audience has heard me say for years that it's revival or bust. And that really at this point now, I believe um, anything you attempt to do in the political arena is a rear guard action. And I mean like literally anything. Uh, you are really attempting um, – you're, you're adding another layer of moat to hold the Visigoths at bay a little longer to give yourself more time. You're not, you're not going outside of, of, of the castle and taking ground. You're trying to hold on to what's inside the city gate and Nebuchadnezzar is outside, okay? That's where I believe we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happened in our home state of Iowa is another – I think example that reinforces this for me, Bob. So you guys here in Iowa passed heartbeat legislation a year ago. uh, And it's pretty basic common sense. Anytime there is the threat, an accident or the threat of a loss of life and emergency services show up, what's the first thing they always check for to to acquire proof of life? Check for the heartbeat. Yeah, because if there's a heartbeat, that means the being is alive, right? And we'll do everything. To save that. Life. Yes. So it makes sense then if, if that's pretty much, you know, the creed across the board in every other situation, and then why wouldn't we apply it then to um, a, a, a child that's not yet born? If it has its own heartbeat. I mean, I remember when we had to go and do uh, an emergency delivery over Fourth of July weekend in 2005 for Zoe. And the reason we had to do it is because she was a crisis pregnancy. We had to have regular checkups on her to make sure she was okay. And when we when they went a whole three hours and they couldn't detect the heartbeat, that's when we had to go right away. We need to put things yeah, in motion. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't sure if Zoe was okay or not. All right? So this would seem to make sense. If there's a heartbeat, the being's alive. We don't kill things that are alive when there's a heartbeat. So- Right away, Planned Parenthood takes your legislation, goes to court, as we, of course, knew that they would. You guys make, in your, in your, in your legal defense, you make a very common-sense argument along these lines. And the judge here in Iowa looked at that argument, and what did he say? He said he couldn't find a compelling case, or we didn't make a compelling case. So to me, the heartbeat is not a compelling case for the sanctity of human life. But you're exactly right, Steve. If, if, if the red lights are for you, and they come upon you, the first thing they do is they check for heartbeat. And once they discover a heartbeat, they have hope. And when they have hope, they put in all kinds of life-saving measures, they spare no cost, and they get you through helicopter rides or ambulance rides, whatever it might be, to very well-trained hospitals to basically do one thing, and that is save the life. But now that that heartbeat is detected through an ultrasound, the judge says, eh, That's not a compelling enough case to deter 
a woman's constitutional right in the Iowa Constitution that she should be able to kill that baby, which makes absolutely no common sense. Where's the constitutional right? In the, where does it say in the Iowa Constitution you have a right to kill your own it child? It doesn't. They, they, I mean, they are making that up. Matter of fact, as Chuck Hurley, our VP and chief counsel said, you have five Supreme Court justices in Iowa who basically have amended the Constitution to basically try to discover, try to insert a constitutional right to abortion. And that's what they did in July of 2018 after we had the 72-hour waiting period put down by the Supreme Court. This judge now in the Polk County Court said – I mean he referenced that that case. Remember everything on case law – not not the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So therefore, what the Supreme Court said, there's a constitutional right to abortion in the state of Iowa. Therefore, uh, having a heartbeat makes no difference. We need to have a, the right to abortion. We need to determine viability. But the big thing is let the woman have access to unlimited, unlimited abortion, which frankly, if you extrapolate that ruling far enough, you go right to what we just saw in New York. And also in Iowa goes from the most pro-life state in the country by the representatives of the people and the governor signing legislation, the heartbeat law, to probably the most pro-abortion friendly state in the country. In in fairness to the Iowa Supreme Court, they're not the first court or Supreme Court to do this. Well, well, Isn't we, that what the U.S. Supreme Court did in January of 1973? Sure it is. Didn't seven justices just find the exact same Six, constitutional 60 right? 60 million kids. Right. 60 million babies off of a court opinion. Now, no. in the Roe v. Wade, though, Steve, in 1973, and you know this better than mm-hmm. I do, they said if we ever could discover that this that is, is a person. This is the point I was going to make, yeah. You know, then your case collapses. Yes. Even well, even the attorney for NARAL, who was the plaintiff in the case, on behalf of— uh, They agreed. On, on Miss Roe, uh, they agreed that if indeed a state determined that a fetus was a person— uh, even she, the NARAL attorney, said that it would make her case very, very problematic. So you are essentially in this argument. You're not. You, this isn't a personhood bill, but you're applying a, a essentially the same principle. The same, concept. which is we agree a, a, a being is a person and alive when there is a heartbeat. And now we're at the point now that here's where the difference is. We, we, we also were at the infant, pardon the pun, we were at the infant stages of prenatal technology and those sorts of things in 1973. We didn't have 3D technology that you can literally see in real time what's happening in the womb. Couldn't see that stuff in 1972 when the Roe case was actually heard or in 73 when it was determined. And so now, despite all of that other scientific evidence that exists now that didn't exist then, um, that same argument with the backing of scientific evidence, now the courts will look at this and say, we don't care. And it's because they just want to be able to kill these children if they don't want them. And and I, I want to make sure I'm not saying that with a bony finger or a scream or a yell. Tell Occam's razor, what, what conclusion requires the least amount of assumptions is usually true. Then if it's not that they just want to be able to kill these children if they don't want them, then what would the what other alternative reasoning would there be for a judge to make that ruling? And the case in point to what you just said, the Planned Parenthood attorneys, they never argued heartbeat with the judge. Why? Because they knew they would lose. Mm-hmm. A heartbeat determines life. Heartbeat determines DNA. A heartbeat determines that is a person. So you're right. The very structure of personhood is basically what we argued with the heartbeat bill. But what they argued was access and viability. And that's where we said, if you want to argue access and viability, you're in the wrong court. 
you need to be in the federal court. Mm -hmm. That's a Roe v. Wade deal. Mm -hmm. But they didn't want to be in a federal court. Why did they not want to be in a federal court? Because of the pill route to the U.S. Supreme Court to what would determine them that is a person. And therefore, Roe v. Wade gets overturned. But why these state constitutions are so important, why these state laws are so important, I believe we're going to see Roe v. Wade get overturned in our lifetime. But when they do get overturned, in my opinion, when Roe v. Wade gets overturned, that's a moral issue, meaning kind of like the courts determine wrongfully that marriage should be anything you want it to be. And that applied to just one state or two states, or did it apply to all 50? It applied to all 50. If they overturn Roe v. Wade, to me, it should apply to all 50. But if it doesn't, if it goes state by state, what your laws are and what your precedent is in those states is going to determine can you abort and the frequency of abortion in your state. Um, I think you won't. I don't think there's a legal argument that you can make that will convince even the current U.S. Supreme Court to overturn it because of where we are culturally. <clears throat> and I've, I've had this conversation with people that disagree with me about the personal strategy I'm an advocate of. Well, it'll go to court and the courts will never um, affirm it. Well, they didn't affirm Dred Scott either. But what we want, like I, there are people listening right now who also heard us talk about what New York State did last week, and they may even view themselves as pro-choice on some level. But when we start getting into... And now they're confronted with, I, well, you're now, we're not going to, we're going to pretend like something that has a heartbeat isn't alive. We're going to say that a mom can, in a late term abortion, if you don't want the baby, why are you killing it? Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're still, you're still taking basically a full term baby, killing it. If you don't want it, then give it up for adoption. There's exactly. no point in killing it. You just want to, that's why I said a minute ago, they just want to be able to kill these children. And there's no other conclusion. They just want to be able to kill them. And there's going to be pro-choice people listening right now that when we get when we take what they think they're for to its most logical conclusion, they're going to start wrestling with it. I really believe and, they and that's will. The, and that's what Dred Scott accomplished. There were a whole lot of people that thought in the 18 in the 19th century, slavery is not my issue. It's not my problem. I don't particularly like black people either. Uh, that's why I live where I live. All right. But when they saw the U.S. Supreme Court hear testimony from a black man and then decide, look, look him in the eye in writing and say, you're not a human being, period. Even if even in a in, in a, what was technically a loss, that can be a galvanizing moment for a culture. Well, it can be. As a matter of fact, Steve, yesterday was the Holocaust Remembrance Day. And I went to Auschwitz and I went to Birkenau and I toured those facilities. And I'm telling you what. You talk about gripping and disturbing and leaving a mark on you. You walk through Auschwitz and Birkenau. At the end of our tour, the guide said, I want to make sure everybody understands this. This was the educated. This was the political. Mm -hmm. This is the people with power that did this. I believe there's going to be a generation that's going to look back at us and go, why didn't somebody do something? How could you guys kill 60 million-plus babies, and they're going to say the same thing. It was the educated. It was the powerful. It was the political. It was the medical community that did this. You know, to me, that, that's a great stain on our society. But we're going to keep fighting this thing, and I believe we will win. And I believe in our lifetime, you'll see where every life gets embraced because the science backs it up. Well, if you look at history of movements that have overturned 
fundamental systemic cultural evils. The the legal victory comes after there has been a galvanizing flashpoint culturally. Uh, on the slavery, mo- I mentioned uh, it wasn't just Dred Scott. Um, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, for example, a, a cultural flashpoint that goes into the mainstream. And uh, I I th- I think the 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 environment is ripe for that kind of a flashpoint to occur. But I but until it happens, I don't think you you won't compel enough enough of we thought we had this with the baby part videos oh and and that essentially went nowhere even in a gop congress and they still wouldn't even defund planned parenthood and so that's my point um those with the content of those videos instead of taking it into the political arena it's it's got to pack a wall up and punch him in the mouth yeah. On on the cultural side first, and that's what will get people to say to their politicians, "Make that, make and, that stop." And also culturally, as it happened with slavery, it was state after state taking a stand that they were going to abolish slavery. I believe if we get state after state passing either personhood or heartbeat, or they're saying we're taking a stand, that may also send the message of you know what, this country really doesn't want to abort the babies anymore, and so. I'd say we need to stay in the fight. We need to persevere just like Wilberforce did. And hopefully in our lifetime, we'll see it come, come to be. Bob, good to see you, man. Talk to good you next to week. See you. God bless. Homeowners beware. A data breach just exposed 24 million of you to home title fraud. That's a crime that could cost you your home. I have seen it firsthand. And in a moment, I'll tell you how to find out if if you have been a victim. If you have a mortgage, refi, or HELOC through a major bank, though, this breach may have put you at risk of losing every dollar of equity you've built up in your home, and maybe even possibly the home itself. This data breach gave scammers everything they need to steal your home's title. They can forge your signature as the seller, refile your home under a new name, take out loans on your home, and then end up sticking you with the payments while they liquidate the equity. You won't know until the late payment notices or even the eviction order shows up. And your bank doesn't protect you, and neither does insurance or identity theft programs either. For pennies a day, though, Home Title Lock will. Home Title Lock protects my home, and you need it too. Check now to see if you're already a victim. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, and register for your free title scan and report. That's right, free. Now, normally this costs 100 bucks, but for everybody within the sound of my voice right now on The Blaze, they're going to offer it to you for free at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, gentlemen, coming back in hour number two here, I'm going to... We're going to do an hour-long truth bomb on this show. And, you know, we've we've talked off and on, or at least I've brought up off and on over the last couple of years, you know, we should maybe reset this conversation. Because I think it bears repeating every few years. And we wonder, how come elections matter when Democrats win? And yet they don't seem to matter when Republicans do. <laughs> what, what, what is going on here? And this is going to be a very important political science class. And that's exactly what it's intended to be. This is going to be a poli-sci class, except one that teaches you how the system actually works. What's really going on where the sausage is made. That's coming up next. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. <laughs> We'll be right back.
All right, back here with hour number two of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on the Blaze, 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedays.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You know, one of the reasons we have uh, my good friend Bob Vanderplatz on the show with us each week, if you just listen to him, um, is we like to support people that are taking on principled fights and causes. And uh, with legislation like uh, the heartbeat bill, uh, we think Bob is doing that. And so we want to give him and his organization a platform to share that fight with our audience and maybe encourage you to be a part of it on some level, even if it's just praying for its success. Another such person we've been talking about recently is taking on a pretty difficult fight, and that's standing against your own family. Uh, And that is Victoria Hurst. She is descended from, probably familiar with the name, William Randolph Hearst, one of the great tycoons, uh, business magnets uh, in American history. One of her family's properties is Cosmopolitan Magazine, and Victoria is concerned how she has noticed in recent years it has uh, tended to include, shall we say, more adult-oriented material while continuing to market it to to young girls like Todd's daughters or mine. Uh, She's not asking the magazine, not asking her family to, to practice censorship, although I'm sure she wouldn't mind if they decided to clean up their act. She's asking for a very moderate step, a modest proposal, which is if you want to put Playboy-oriented uh, uh, content in the magazine, then it should be shielded from minors, like magazines like Playboy uh, happen to be, if you agree with that. She's asking for your support as well. You can visit her website, CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. So today's truth bomb is going to be the entire hour. And this one Even though the segment still remains a contrived attempt for me to promote my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, this particular version, this particular truth bomb is not contrived. Uh, If you have yet to get your copy of the book, I want to thank Ben Shapiro, who mentioned it on his podcast Friday. So if you heard Ben talk about it and you're like, all right, maybe I should go ahead and pick it up, it's available right now at Amazon.com. If you've had a chance to read it, Uh, and you want to leave us a five-star review, we've got well over 50 of those last I checked yesterday. So thank you to all of you that have left those reviews. Those help us to to convince more other people, uh, or convince more other people, to convince other people, more people, uh, to get a copy of the book as well. And for no other reason, do it for the children. Mine. Because uh, they're they're planning on Daddy taking them to Disney uh, this Christmas, and uh, I'm going to need to sell some more books for that to happen. Hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot to get those pictures of your kids when they were little. I yes. I forgot to put that. Yeah, in. not not we'll not do that tomorrow. Not that we're going to try and shame you. Yeah, we are. So uh, we'll 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 start doing it, and I'll find like the most adorably sad pictures of them all. We'll start throwing those up there. <laughs> adorably sad. Yeah, you know, like when they're really sad. You know, like like when Noah once said to me when he was little and I got upset because I gave him a basic instruction and he never remembers what they were. And he looked at me once with a really sad face, said, I forget stuff. <laughs> stuff like that. And then he does that. You're like, you, then, then you're like mad at yourself now that you got mad because it's so adorable, you know? You're like, I'm a terrible person. How can I get mad at such a thing? It's this cute. I forget stuff, you know? All right. Are we ready for today's truth bomb? Yes. I'm going to answer the age-old question for you today. Why? Now, this whole book here 
is a, is a series of whys. And some pretty big whys. Why we can't beat Republican incumbents in primaries. Why, why the Democratic Party has moved so far left. There's a, there's a lot of big whys answered in this book. And starting next week, we're going to go through every chapter in this book and do a, a real-time book study and give you sort of a uh, the Cliff's Notes version of, of the information in this book we think you need to have. Just a taste. But, but today we're going to answer the macro why. The ultimate why. We're going to answer it this hour. I've done this show before, just not for a few years. The last time I did this show, not coincidentally, was in 2014, almost exactly five years ago. Almost exactly five years ago. And it was after the last major shutdown fight. And the Republicans couldn't beat Obama in the Obamacare shutdown. And I was on the air with um, uh, different networks at the time. And I laid this all out in a column I wrote for the Washington Times back in April of 2014. And I did the entire show that we were on the air that night. We did the entire show on what's in this column. I'm not going to change any, anything in this, what I'm about to share with you. I'm only going to change the names. Nothing else will change. And I sent this column from my archives to you and Aaron last night, Todd, so you could read it for yourself. I'm not going to update anything except the names. I don't have to. Because this is fundamental to existence itself. You know, water is going to remain, you know, the same formula. H2O, whether in any, in any time, any culture, any custom, it is what it is. It's a natural law. I'm going to share with you the natural law of politics. To understand why Trump couldn't beat Pelosi, you must first recognize the three kinds of people that inhabit contemporary American politics. They are, and this is very important, crusaders, gangsters, and groupies. Let me repeat that. Crusaders, gangsters, and groupies. Everybody in politics, everybody, everybody, Everybody is one of these three things. They may at times be more than one of them, but they will always fit into one of these three boxes. Everybody. Everybody you watch on television. Everybody you elect into office. Everybody on this stage, on the blaze right now. This includes us. Everybody. Everybody on the periphery. Everybody in the punditry. Everybody in the political class itself, everybody making policy, everybody fits into one of these three groups. There's the crusader, the gangster, and the groupie. Everybody. Let's start with the crusader. The crusader is out to win an argument with history. Although all fallible beings are motivated 
by self-interest to some extent. The crusader's primary motivation is his belief in the moral certainty of his cause. The crusader also doesn't see himself as the cause, but rather sees himself as merely the vehicle for it. Crusaders are often thought to be arrogant, but that's because their supreme confidence is in the moral authority of their cause. And that's typically mistaken for too much confidence in themselves by those who don't have a hill to die on. Away from the cause, crusaders are usually deferent, friendly, and even tempered. People often walk away from personal interactions with crusaders saying things like, that guy's a lot nicer than what I was expecting. However, once back in the arena, the crusader usually refuses to negotiate and being attacked by those whose views he perceives as being on the wrong side of the issue or history only serves to fuel his courage of conviction. Sometimes the crusader is a politician. Sometimes the crusader is in the media. Rarely is the crusader in the donor class, but there are some notable exceptions. Most activists, or the true believers, are the crusaders as well. Next, we have the gangster. The gangster is primarily driven by his self-interest. Sometimes the gangster also has a cause he really believes in, but his belief in self-preservation and or self-gratification trumps all. Gangsters often try to brand themselves as consensus builders or managers, but in reality, that is simply to mask the fact they thrive in environments when there aren't any substantive ideological disagreements occurring. The gangster is fine giving in to his opposition, provided he gets his cut of the action. Because in the gangster's mind, his only real enemies are those that stand in the way of his vested interests. And that can be someone he does or doesn't even agree with ideologically, depending on the situation. Gangsters often appear to be charming or unassuming in public. But behind the scenes, they will speak with a forked tongue and the claws will come out when the status quo they prefer is threatened. Most politicians are gangsters. Many donors are as well. Simply collecting politicians because they can. Otherwise, life would be boring. <laughs> I mean, how much golf can one man play, right? Politics is just a high stakes game of risk to the gangster donor. Sometimes gangsters even disguise themselves as activists in order to steer the grassroots to their interests instead. Again, I wrote this five and a half, almost five years ago. I've not changed a word except for the names. Finally, we have the groupie. The groupie, the groupie simply wants all, or simply wants what all groupies have ever wanted: to be noticed and needed by those in power at the time. If you want to know who or what is the it thing at the moment, follow the groupie. If you want to know who the, the new hotness is or the next big thing will be, follow the groupie. I got another bloodhound for this stuff. The groupie is the gatekeeper of the status quo. Think, think Stanley Tucci's character in The Hunger Games. What was his name? Um, Caesar Flicker or something like that is what I'm thinking, right? That's an ex-Flickerman, thank you, from Ron back there in Dallas. That's the perfect example, archetype, perfect archetype of the groupie. 
the groupie knows. Like the nose knows, the groupie knows who has the power and who's or and or who's about to acquire it every time. And they will maintain the system regardless of how corrupt it is because access to the system is the groupie's driving motivation. Now, there are four kinds of groupies. There's what I would call the media groupie. You'll want to make sure only voices deemed credible, credible voices, credible. See that as those willing to mind-numbingly spew forth the system's talking points. They're the only ones permitted to access the platform, credible voices. Like Jenny Thomas was, was declared uh, a far-right Clarence Thomas's wife. I, I've, I've met Jenny Thomas a few times. Uh, if, if she's far right, man, we're running Mussolini's prisons in the 30s, okay? But that's the media groupie. And so they, everybody that's to the right of Chris Christie is alt-right now. Ben Sass is alt-right. That was, uh, Senator Hirano said that last week, called Ben Sass alt-right. Yep. This is what I mean right here. Then there's the party groupie, meaning political party, not the, you know, uh, backstage at a Def Leppard concert. That's not what I mean. I mean, not, not, not that kind of party. Okay, the political party groupie. Uh, these near-do-wells in both political parties are making sure their respective candidates are the, quote, electable ones. See that as those willing to maintain the system once they're in power. A few weeks ago, Whoopi Goldberg was behaving as both a media groupie and a party groupie when she chastised Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because she's getting over, out over their skis. She's being idealistically honest. She wants America to be Sweden. And Whoopi Goldberg knows, y'all ain't going to buy Sweden right now. And doesn't like the fact she wants to challenge Nancy Pelosi as not being for enough uh, enough global warming cult uh, uh, policy mechanisms. So she had to put her down. She's getting kind of uppity, you know. That's what was going on. That's an example of what I'm talking about, the party groupie. The party groupie will often come to you with things like, I agree with your principles, just not your tactics. Then there's the donor groupie. Now, these are brilliant and ruthless captains of industry who suddenly become naive jock sniffers once they enter the political arena. I've seen this a million times. Uh, they mindlessly and repeatedly cut big checks to smooth-talking gangsters with little to no return on their investment. What the donor group he calls influence is really just a feature story somewhere about how important of a political power broker they, uh, they allegedly are, which they can now share with their trophy wives and safari buddies. Because what else are they going to do with all that money? Yeah, Politico wrote about uh, how influential I am. And I'm going to show this off. And here's my ninth trophy wife. Yeah, I got her a Russian mail order. I like them apples. Of course, this feature only runs in media other groupies are consuming. <laughs> do I mention Politico? How many of you got up? I don't care how you voted in the last election. You got up this morning and checked out Politico. How many? Yeah. As Pearl Jam once saying, not for you. That's, that's why he didn't check it out. Um, thus, the echo chamber is subsidized into perpetuity on sheer ego alone. Then there's the grassroots groupie. 
These are the shameless shills who apologize for every act of betrayals as long as they land the big interview for their platform. The big speaker for their event. They get a seat at the table. Unlike the prostitute who gets paid, the grassroots groupie just wants the equivalent of wearing the matinee idol's letterman jacket so everyone around them knows how close they are to power and relevance. In the grand scheme of things, the crusader sees himself as part of a larger movement. He speaks in gaudy terms like liberty and reform on the right or justice on the left. His arguments are focused on principles. The gangster or groupie sees themselves as part of a community. They speak in mundane terms of making the trains run on time, keeping the government open. Their arguments are focused on the process. And herein lies the reason Trump was never going to beat Pelosi in hindsight. Every war ever fought in human history has eventually been won by the side that most believed in the moral certainty of their, of their own cause. Every time. Every single time. This is how a ragtag bunch of Afghans staved off the Soviet Union's evil empire. This is how 56 signers to the Declaration of Independence defeated the Redcoats. And this is how the ancient Israelites successfully stormed Canaan. Obama was a crusader. Pelosi is a crusader. When she speaks of transforming these United States, the gangster class scoffs, chalks it up to campaign rhetoric, but Pelosi... Pelosi is not just another playing her part in the usual left-of-center versus right-of-center argument the two political parties are accustomed to. Rather, Pelosi, she is what David Horowitz, not our friend Daniel, David Horowitz describes as the new left, a social reconstructionist. So intent on delivering these policies, she'll represent a district where people poop in the streets, literally, They are intent on doing their part to give our constitutional republic a statist socialist makeover, like what's already happened in Western Europe. Meanwhile, Pelosi is not opposed by the base of the Republican Party that is probably as conservative libertarian now as it's ever been and moving further right as we speak. The GOP base's attempt to oppose Pelosi's leftist crusade are routinely thwarted by their own feckless leadership a GOP leadership composed of gangsters who fancy themselves shrewd operators of real politic, but in reality are some of the most reliable collaborators Pelosi has. In their haste to preserve the status quo, the gangster leadership of the Republican Party bottlenecks its own base, thus ensuring Pelosi is protected from the only people capable of opposing her. The groupie media operating at Pelosi's beck and call then partners with her to put forth a false narrative that the GOP base are the obstructionists, with obstructionists defined as those who oppose the destruction of their liberty at the hands of these people. That makes you an obstructionist. Therefore, every time there is another showdown, the gangsters running the Republican Party negotiate only with themselves. How many counterproposals did Trump throw out there? Two at least. How many did Pelosi throw out there? How many counterproposals? Do you know how many it was? Was it a small number? It was a real, uh, the smallest. Mm-hmm. Zero. Zero. Yeah. 
While Pelosi, the crusader, captures the left's version of the moral high ground and waits them out until she gets exactly what she wants. Now the government's open and we're still not having a State of the Union speech tomorrow. Who could have predicted that? Indeed, who could have? I don't know. Eventually, the gangsters running the GOP give in because they can't handle all the spiteful stories the groupie media they alone consume is contriving at their expense. After they give Pelosi everything she wants, they then lashed out at their own crusaders for expecting them to stand for something. You saw this on Friday afternoon. Charlie Kirk and others lashing out at those of you that thought Trump was going to keep his promise. What do you expect? He's doing the best he can do. And now you're the traitor. It's not, it's not the one who sold out to Pelosi that's the traitor. It's you who didn't want him to. You're the, you're the traitor. You're the traitor. Wash, rinse, repeat. Again, I wrote this five years ago. All I've changed are the names. Nothing else I've changed. The only way to beat a crusader like Pelosi is to defeat her with a crusader of your own. Someone that has Pelosi's same courage of conviction, but with your, the right convictions. If you're wondering who that person is, Look for the people the gangster groupie leadership of the Republican Party is the most annoyed by. That's your champion. I wrote this over almost five years ago, April 22nd, 2014. Although I've, I've done this show uh, before, just not since we came to CRTV and then now the blaze. Gangsters never beat crusaders, never have in all of human history. Might beat them for a while, might outnumber them for a while. But eventually, Muhammad will keep coming back and back and back and back to Mecca. And eventually, he'll take it. You can keep casting him out. You can keep defeating him. Keep throwing him out. But sooner or later, because he really believes that that demon in the cave that spoke to him really was the angel Gabriel, because he really believes that, you're going to keep coming. And then all Mecca will bow the knee. Sooner or later, the one who most believes in the moral rightness of their own cause We'll win. You're led by people that don't believe in the moral rightness of your cause. That's why you cannot win. You cannot win. All that I've articulated here, by the way, none of this is my own. This is the principle of headship that Christ lays out in the New Testament. This is beware the yeast of the Pharisees. A little bit of leaven ruins the whole batch. Why? Because the, the base of something can be solid. It can be pure, even. But if it's led by those who are not, it has no chance at victory. That's what happened last week, is what I just laid out. It's what happened against Obama where John Boehner kept, remember he kept walking up to the White House with new offers. Did Obama ever offer a counteroffer? Nope. Counteroffer was, you can slit your own throats or we'll slit them for you. That's our counteroffer. Which do you prefer? The only time you've ever seen the Republican Party since, the, since they won the battle over invading Iraq, the only time you've seen them pick a fight with the Democrats, a real one, and win was last year over Brett Kavanaugh. And they only picked it because you made them. They, they didn't want to pick it. They were going to move on. And then they were going to fight it totally the wrong way with that lame woman's cross-examination that kept interrupting the process until finally Brett Kavanaugh said, screw that noise. My life's on the line. I'm not going out like a punk. 
And then the other reason they did it is because he was one of their bushy boys. They weren't going to do this for one of your guys. And that's it. We invaded Iraq in 2003. That's 16 years ago. That's the only fight they've picked in 16 years. 16 years. Go back and Google the stuff Democrats were talking about 16 years ago compared to now. It's like, yeah, I mean, I was a really liberal party. I didn't really agree with it, but when did they go Soviet? And they don't pick any fights with them and they don't win any of them because they don't care about what you care about. And then they don't care about it as much as you care about it. They can't win. They can't. It's not that they won't. They can't. And it's not going to change until you get new leaders. Who, who of the new conservatives have you placed in any position at all to be in any position of leadership? I'll give you the answer. That's a low number too. None. Not any leadership at all. I mean, think of the three, four guys you really like in the Senate. Have they all banded together to get something done that you wanted? Their chances of getting it done would be nothing until Mitch McConnell or John Cornyn wanted it done. No matter how many calls you make, how many emails you send, he's a gangster. He believes he'll get his way and then... When he can't sleep at night and he needs a booty call, he'll call you. Usually that's like, you know, around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, first Tuesday in November. And you'll answer. He knows that you always will. There's a scene. Let me tell you what a gangster's really like. Famous work of literature and history describes this scene about a prince who's brutal to his subjects. Brutal. And they cry out for mercy. And so one day he hires basically a sheriff of Nottingham type. This guy's even worse. I mean, just dreadful, right out of the bowels of hell. And whatever limited mercy, whatever limited freedom the people had under the original prince is now gone. And now the same townsfolk who cried out for the prince to give them mercy, now they want the prince to return. Because compared to this, it's Club Med, yo. And one morning they all go down to the town square and the head of that sheriff, who was even more brutal than the prince, is severed and sitting there in the middle of the city square like a trophy. A gift from the prince. Except it's a dark gift. It's basically a reminder to the people, hey, if you think you're getting a raw deal now, pray I don't alter it any further because it can get a lot worse around here, Lando. A lot worse. I've already made my point. I made you cry out for me to come back. That ring a bell? I did an interview in a major market last week for my book with a Christian radio host who told me he read the book and thought it was all true and agreed with me on everything but thought we should just keep doing everything we're currently doing. Prince made his point to him too. We'll come back. Let uh, Todd and Aaron attempt to pick this apart. We return here on the Blaze. Stay tuned.
If you're looking for a good, clean, natural energy source, not one of those, you know, those uh, blankety blank hour drinks, you know, with the 75 ingredients and 74 of them are words you can't pronounce. Uh, if you want it done the way nature and the creator intended, check out Brickhouse Nutrition, a team of physicians that have come together to try to promote natural health here uh, in the culture. And one of their products that, uh, I like the most. I use this myself. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. It provides clean energy, focus, uh, even an improved mood, maybe up to 10 hours. Uh, and, and no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, no sugar. You know, because of poor eating habits uh, in my 20s, uh, I kind of have to be careful about trying new stuff. You know, sometimes my system, it doesn't agree with it. I'm going to tell you right now, this stuff, my system not only agrees with it, it absolutely loves it. So um, this is the way to do it. Uh, rather than 75 cups of coffee or putting a bunch of chemicals in your system, uh, don't do it that way. Do it the old-fashioned way. Check out Brickhouse Nutrition's From Dawn to Dusk. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate of it. I use this product myself. Um, and you can visit BrickhouseSteve.com if you want to check it out. BrickhouseSteve.com, and you can get a bottle of this groundbreaking formula. And uh, when you use the promo code Steve at BrickhouseSteve.com, you'll get 15% off of your first order. So again, Again, BrickHouseSteve.com is the website. Use promo code Steve at the checkout to get an additional 15% off today, dawn till dusk. All right, gentlemen, I've laid out the Rosetta Stone of America's political system, gangsters or crusaders, gangsters, and groupies. Now, I told Todd and Aaron I was going to lay this out today, and I thought given the, the events of what happened over the last few weeks, where Trump picked a fight on what has been his singular issue. He picked an affirmative fight. Build the wall other than lock her up is probably his most known mantra, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was his original issue. He picked an offensive, meaning going on offense, on this fight. Maybe affirmative. We'll use affirmative instead of offensive. He picked an affirmative fight. He offered multiple counter proposals. Democrats offered none. And then he caved and got exactly nothing in return. He won't even be able to give the speech tomorrow night. And so for three weeks, his approval rating, approval ratings of Republicans took a massive beating and got nothing in return. How did this happen? I just laid it out. I told Todd and Aaron this was a good occasion to reset this after several years. And then I left it up to you guys to decide where you wanted to take the conversation from here. So the floor is now yours. Well, I kind of set up my answer right out of the gate when I reminded you of last year's mantra, the one who is dumbest last loses, and how I uh, apologized to Steve for being too hopeful in that. And here's what I meant, because <laughs> it was it, it was too hopeful, uh, ultimately, and it's in the context of going back and resetting. I remember uh, when Steve uh, wrote this column and was riffing on it, and had I been putting it in this context, ultimately— Yes, somebody at the end of 2016 had an opportunity to be colossally dumb enough. But in terms of, uh, here, this happens again, and why will it happen again? That's where this must be said. They don't, it's not, it's, what I said assumes that basically uh, you, you're just focusing on on the um, the gangsters 
who I do believe are roughly in even proportion to one another at any given time, and roughly, uh, whether on Democrats or Republicans, roughly as equally as capable as being clever and or dumb. It, that's basically is behind what I said. But maybe that's me not wanting to look in the face what we all know to be true, is that even though that's true, on the left, you have way more true believers and on the right you have way more groupies and steve said i'm just echoing now what steve says at the end um if you have true more true believers sooner or later you're gonna win and it, it also shows why it's not it's not dumb oftentimes when they lose they know they are going to lose sometimes and that's built into the system but this 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 dovetails so nicely what we what steve said about uh uh roger stone there's no there's no there there there's there's a bunch of fake tough guys they can't they think they're they actually think they're winning when they are losing grotesquely that that's an unsustainable system on the right and it's the one on the left that they get down to and bow to whoever their blood god they're uh uh praying to on a regular basis it's why oftentimes oh that's so dumb by pelosi but behind that we have got to acknowledge she knows she's got her base and we know we've got our base and our base is full of groupies uh, both within uh, the regular people and the base of the the whatever crats, groupies, groupies, groupies. I've I've I had met enough of them before I got into this in all kinds of walks of life, and it's why I'm pretty confident in my take on, on, on journalism uh, uh, as well. But I also know that there's tons of true belief. They believe nonsense, utter nonsense, it's really stupid things, but they believe it. We, whatever we is on the right, whatever's supposed to combat that, it's it's Roger Stone. So, Todd, to further the point you're making here, when Republicans say we always lose a government shutdown, they're right. They're right. Just not for the reasons right. that they're being honest about. The reason they always lose a government shutdown is because they don't believe in the existential confrontation. Right. They don't believe in it. And that's why, and so they end up negotiating against themselves and they get nothing in return. They wasted the American people's time. They didn't get some benefit or some soldier in their family who's trying to defend the country didn't get his check. And you, and, and they got what in return? What they get in return? What did we, what did we do the last few weeks? What was the point of any of this? And if he's just going to sign an emergency declaration, then why ever shut down the government at all? He gained no polling from this, nothing from this. He gained nothing, nothing. So if we're just going to do an emergency declaration, should have just done this three weeks ago. And see, now you're at the point now, if he does the emergency declaration now, and let me tell you what happens after he does it, at least not even 10 minutes after he does it. Some federal judge from the 666th District of Babylon is going to put an injunction on it and say, you can't do that. Unconstitutional. If he doesn't defy that judge, this might not have been the case a month ago. It is now, though. You're going to waste a whole bunch of people's time and come up with nothing? If he doesn't defy that judge, his presidency's dead man walking right now. Right now. 
I mean, this was a pointless exercise. It, it fulfills every stereotype of Donald Trump. There was no point to this. And so this is why they always lose a shutdown. And I don't want to hear CNN, the average American, almost no one who would ever think of voting for Trump or any Republican watches any of those channels, cares what any of them think. The total viewership of every morning show, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, Today Show, their total viewership at its peak is about 10% of the electorate. That's it. Do the math. I have. Do the math. Like 10% of the electorate, guys. So the average person who would ever think of voting for them doesn't watch and doesn't care what they think, but they just want their approval very badly. Why do they want their approval very badly? Because their beliefs are closer to theirs than yours. That's why. So when the Republicans are telling you, we can't have a shutdown, we always lose, they're right. What they're not, they are being honest about that. What they're not being honest about, though, is the reason that they're right. The reason that they're right is they have, they don't have the conviction to stay and fight because this is getting in the way of their donors getting the graft that they want from the system too. That's why I had somebody send me an email over the weekend said, you know, I watch you guys' roundtable all the time that you guys do every day. And it seems like most days you have a lot of people that are skeptical of the, of the idea that there's a greater strategy from the Trump white house. And you almost never have people on who have, who believe in this, who have a sympathetic view that there, there's a greater strategy there. You know what I told them? The truth. You're right. Your observation is correct. But the reasoning why you probably think that's the case is not. It ain't for a lack of trying on our part. But often when the only potential answers to a challenging question are bad, people tend to avoid those kinds of confrontations. You know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, what would be the, what's the answer for the, that, 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 for the strategy, for what just happened? Well, he's got to, he pointed out the, uh, the Democrats don't want a wall. Well, how many people do you know that didn't know that three weeks ago before mm-hmm. their government check didn't come? How many do you know that didn't know that? How many do you, how would you run into mass last few Sundays? We're like, Hot damn, Erzin. Do you believe the Democrats don't want to secure the border? Why didn't they tell me? Nope. Nobody found that out. That didn't already know. So then what was the other strategy? Well, he's still going to build a wall by declaring emergency funding. Then why didn't he do that before taking another, you know, because I don't know if y'all realized or not, he really can't afford to take too many more polling hits. So why not just do this three weeks ago? Give your State of the Union speech and use that. Use that. Here, here's what it looks like when you have a plan. And I'm not even going to debate the merits of the emergency funding. I'm going to let people that are smarter than me do that. I know my limits. Okay, I'm just going to debate the politics of it. If you're going to de- if you're going to make the emergency declaration, then you did that three weeks ago when you use your State of the Union speech to make your case to the American people. That's the point of the speech. You don't shut down their government for nothing when it wasn't really even shut down at all, frankly. But you just took all the hits for it as if it was. Yep. You got nothing in return. Now you don't have a platform to make your case to the yep. American people in front of a joint session of Congress. You have nothing. You have no speech, no wall, and no balls. That's right. You have nothing. Which is why we're living in same as it ever was land yep. with Donald Trump. And this is just vintage republicanism. Is that where you were going, Aaron? Yeah, no, I was I was going to ask a couple of questions that I think you already answered pertaining to this conversation. Um, but, you know, 
as far as the left and the right in this country goes, uh, on the left, you've got people um, going on a, a, on, a, a, on a march, at least pretending like they're that guy in Tiananmen Square that's about to get run over by a tank. You know, they're playing the greatest U2's greatest hits where the streets have no name on the right side of the aisle. We're clamoring for another Grateful Dead concert. That seems like what we're doing. And I, I was going to ask a couple of questions. One, what do you think the average Fox News um, Republican base voter is? Is it a crusader or a groupie? I think that question's already been answered. Um, and then I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask if you, and I was just gonna pose this for for both of you. Can you think of one example off the top of your head during the Trump administration, which is now two years and counting, of one single instance of a crusader um, marching onward? and actually getting something accomplished uh, in these two years, most of which have been um, most of which have been taken up by a Republican-controlled Congress. Can you think of one example? No, but, I, but let me say this, though. It's not always his fault. No. See, he never marketed himself as a crusader. And I point this out in my book, Truth Bombs. I mean, the, the deal Trump offered people like me and others in the Republican primary is essentially, if you can prove to me all your crazy conservative stuff will, get, will win and get me elected, I'll give you what you want. I just want to win. And there wasn't, let's face it, there was enough evidence in Trump's life that he was soulless enough to live up to his end of the bargain. And he actually has. I would argue that he has. I would argue that he has, for the most part. You have a willing gangster, meaning someone who's willing to do stuff. Trump, you know, like moving the embassy, he did that in like 20 minutes. We were told for 25 years, if we did that, man, it'd be like civil war on the streets of Jerusalem. Okay? So... You know, even the tweet that you mocked today about him promoting Bible literacy, absolute total pandering. I, I would wish you'd do more of that, actually. <clears throat> but here's what George W. Bush would have done with that. Well, you know, all, all paths lead to God, and maybe we should teach the Quran, too. That's what Bush would have done. And for Bible literacy, Quranic literacy, let's teach them all. In the middle of my Islamic iftar in the White House. So the, the problem Trump has is you have a willing gangster, but there aren't any crusaders around him to lift him up. There aren't. Yeah, but Daddy Javanka, who's really, what did Daniel Horowitz, our buddy, tweet last week? At this point, Jared Kushner should give the State of the Union right on the money. So you have but Daddy Javanka, and then you have a feckless, largely feckless conservative movement who just, you know, are full of, uh, you know, Ann Coulter. What was Bill Maher's question to Ann Coulter over the weekend? At what point were you, were you uh, not aware Donald Trump may, may be a con man? I mean, Ann Coulter out there feigning, you know, like she's shocked or stunned. She's one of the biggest charlatans of them all. Let's just call it out. Flat out. Craven opportunist. Trump we trust. Yes. So, you know, you could do so, you've done some things with Trump you would not have gotten from a conventional gangster Republican. He's a willing gangster. The problem is that he doesn't have the crusaders around him pointing him in the right direction. And so if you're a gangster like Trump and you see all of the other people that are supposed to be around you bailing, like he saw the last few weeks, he's not a crusader. So guess what? He's not going to sit there and do crusade. fight. He's not going to crusade. No, he's not going to crusade. And instead of, instead of a conservative movement that tells him, if you back down to her, man, we are going to punk you hard. Instead, what will happen is his evangelical council will say, we'll find a way to spin it to our base. And will you come speak at the uh, will you come speak at the uh, family at the uh, at the Free Faith and Freedom Coalition event next year? That's what we'll do. 
And so even when you have a willing gangster like Trump, mm-hmm. since you don't have the right amount of crusaders around him, you can't consistently move him in the right direction. This is what Daniel keeps talking about when he says we could do a lot of good with a guy like Trump if we had a real movement. That's what he means by that. You wanted to add to that, Todd? Well, there, this is a battle of the, the seven deadly sins, and the uh, the one on the left is clearly winning. The, uh, what you just said about there, you know, the the base of the left is just always looking around like – Ocasio Cortez, hey, she's stepping on the ass. More, more, more. The, the the base on the right, it's dominant. Envy, sloth. Those are the ones that it's just on the left. Pride, pride, pride. That and that is the deadliest of the seven deadly sins, and they clutch it. So ultimately, on uh, this side uh, of mort- uh, on the other side of mortality, yeah, they're all going to get theirs understandable but here while i'm having kids steve's having kids trying to pass something on to them where they can live a life um that's um something closer to the one that i viewed as uh idyllic as a kid uh versus the one i mean when bob resets talking about uh the Holocaust, and it happened because of the smart people. He he knows whereof he speaks, man. The left is clutching on to pride, and that's going to lead to way more touchdowns for them. Aaron, I'm going to let you have the final thought today before we run out of time. Today's final thought, what we learned today, brought to you by Home Title Lock. Mass title fraud is possible. A huge data breach exposed 24 million Americans to having their identities taken. And even if you have identity theft protection, that doesn't mean they don't have other information they could use to pilfer your home's title, a last four digit of a social security number, a date of birth, a middle initial, a maiden name, a checking account number, the kinds of things you use to verify who you are when you're conducting business online Thieves now have a chance at that information. That means they can maybe liquidate your home's equity or your home line of credit, like a HELOC. If you want to get a, another mortgage on your home uh, and you go to get that equity and it's now gone, don't let that happen to you. Pennies a day is all it takes every day to have home title lock defending your most valuable asset, your home's equity, uh, and your most important investment, your own home. If you want to learn more, it's a free title scan and report today for our audience at the blaze at hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. Aaron, you get the last word. Yeah, I think this lends itself to a conversation about talking about what is redeemable and what is irredeemable, uh, which institutions need to be redeemed, which institutions need to be salvaged, which institutions maybe need to be abandoned for another time or fought for at another time. And it's clear, and this goes back again to your, your book, Truth Bombs, at the end of the book, what is, the, what is maybe a path forward that you have? And it has nothing to do with the Republican Party, at least using that as a vehicle. Um, that, that is a conversation, again, that we need to have because it's become abundantly clear through this conversation and others that we have too few crusaders. And so I think the Republican Party, again, anything having to do with it, there's always 5,000 men who haven't taken the need to bail, but it is irredeemable. It is too corrupting to try to deal with as a useful vehicle for your belief system. Have to get out of it. Steve at SteveDace.com, at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Tell us what you think about what we think. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.